Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Welcome to Papercut. This week, we're talking about A Study in Scarlet by Arthur Conan Doyle, 1887. Wow, that's a long time ago. It is, and this is the first story that we were ever introduced to Sherlock Holmes. You know that infamous scene where Sherlock Holmes deduces everything about Watson? That's the first scene. That's the first time they meet, right? Yeah, that's the first time they meet. And, um... That's the first time 221B Baker Street's also mentioned. So that's this is where it all started. And like for the longest time I thought I thought it started with short stories, much like the ones in his other Sherlock Holmes works, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know he started off with a big ass novel first. And then transitioned on to short stories. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, I think it was because of the way I read the stories because I read the short stories first. I always thought they came first rather than this. But it's a pleasant surprise because like when I first read it, I was like, oh, this is a good book. Yeah. Um, well, and I also liked how in the show, because the very famous BBC show, right? Mm. Uh, it starts off with Watson coming back from a war. And I think in the it study, was also Afghanistan. It was <laughs> Afghanistan, right? It's crazy it how also things don't change. <laughs> Yeah, ones with guns and the other... Well, they both had guns. Yeah. Ones with machine well, guns. The other one's like, wooden guns. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I think, you know, just an overview of the story, right? Sherlock Holmes meets Watson, and then they decide they need to rent a place together, so they rent it, and then after that, they, they dwell straight into the murder case, which is the main plot of the story. So the murder case is um, a guy called Enoch Drebber, and his secretary, Joseph Stangerson. They both got killed, and there were big-ass words written in blood on the walls above their corpses. It's rach, or rack, or however you want to pronounce it. R-A-C-E-H-E. R-A-C-H-E. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so the entire story talks about how Sherlock Holmes uses his unconventional methods of detecting stuff and of um, solving his cases. And always, you know, being one step ahead of his opponents and being like, aha, I knew you would do this. And that's why I did this. And, you know, the most interesting thing to me was actually his um, his way of obtaining information. Because mm. he was he was a uh, he was a bit shady with his methods, if you remember. Yeah. He's like um, street, 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 street urchins. And um, he, well, he was also he was taking some drugs. I remember. He was always high. Like yeah. in the show, he was either high or detecting shit. he was high or out basically yeah it was not it was no in between um, I, I do remember that but i don't remember like him ever having to resort to like shadier methods besides street urchins like, oh, okay no i guess not i guess not because like for example he followed people home right you remember the ring so he was like okay um i've got this ring as an evidence and he bought like a copy of it and he sold it out to someone and followed that person. And he was like, okay, this person's actually a complice of the murderer. It's oh. that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's not entirely illegal, but it's not entirely in the light. You know what I mean? But then again, that's how you detect shit. I mean, trailing someone is very much what the police do. Exactly, yeah. But I know what you mean. I, for me, it was more like 
this was Victorian England back then. That's the sort of feel I got when I read it first time. And I think one of the nicest parts for me was also, you know, when I heard these places, because I, 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 I audiobooked it because uh-huh. it's by Stephen Fry, right? Uh-huh. And you would talk about things like Baker Street. He would talk about uh, places in London that I've heard of. And I'm like, oh my God, I know these places. I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> like there's one I think he talks about, was it Langham Hotel? Or I'm mixing it something else. Where I'm, where I'm like, oh, I know that place. I've been there. I've been there. But like, I've never been to 221B Baker Street in real life, though. Even though, like, it was a station that was near where we studied. It's got a statue of him nearby, apparently. Really? I've never seen the statue, yeah. though. I gotta have a look at it after everything sorts itself out. This, this disease of unknown origin. Yes, exactly. Yes. So yeah, what were your thoughts on it? Like, otherwise, what did you think of the story as a whole? And do we want to spoil it? I think you have to spoil it. I think it. you have to spoil it, because, you know... But hey, I mean, this book was published a hundred years over 100 years ago, so if you haven't read it, it's your own problem. Mm. But yeah, one of the main interesting parts of the story is how the first book ends in a mystery, right? So it's, it's split on two books. The first book is the starting point up to the climax. Or not up to the climax. The second book actually gives the background of the murderer. Mm. So the second book actually starts off with the Mormon settlements in the US. Oh shoot, I didn't know that. I always... Because I read it in one continuous go. okay. Because in the audiobook, that's all you get. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because they're actually... Yeah, because you go to the second book. And then suddenly it starts with like, John Ferrier talks to the Mormons or something. And then you're like... Holy shit, am I reading the same book? <laughs> but then you keep reading on and on, and you and then you recognize some of the names, and then you go, ah, I see how this is coming together now. So yeah, I I really like the way you know he he went back and connected the story together to the present, like from the past. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I remember that because I remember having the exact same thought, like. Am I reading the right book? <laughs> it's like, is, is Stephen Fry high? <laughs> this is, is he also high with Sherlock Holmes? This is a different book. <laughs> this is not what I ordered. Sherlock Holmes, not the Book of Mormon. Yeah, I, I, that part I wasn't expecting. Cause my, but it was a welcome surprise, though. I, for me, it wasn't. Really? I really did not like that. Um, but, but you go on, you start. No, because like, the reason I liked it was because it really throws you off in a tantrum at first but then it doesn't keep you in the dark for long so you keep on reading on and on and you start as i said you start recognizing some of the names and you can kind of guess the story out by yourself as you read it which is for me like a very satisfying part of the story is being able to like guess how things would happen Mm. as he spoke or as things were described to have happened which is yeah which is why i I kind of like that bit of the story but what was what were your thoughts on that I really enjoyed the first part where you know Watson's introduced to Holmes for the very first time and they become friends and they kind of go on this crazy misadventure together mm-hmm. and when you got to the actual murder scene it was well described you could you knew what was going on you could get the relationships between Holmes Watson and the police mm-hmm. and what they had to do I really enjoyed that and then once they got to there and they started a new one like it was like you said a completely different story and i don't want to say it's a crime detective novel almost simply because like there was no way the reader from the first book could have worked out that the second part that the murderer had anything to do with mormons no true 
True. Like, I think I know what you mean. Like, there's... Like, it's of, too random, right? It's so random. And some of my favorite detective novels, like, all the, the main killers probably... Ah, uh, like, yes. It's probably in the first few chapters. And you can probably figure out, like, hey, this is XYZ and blah, blah, blah. And you can, you can work it out in your head. That's why these sort of closed doors ones, I quite like those. Whereas this one... Just came out of left left field. It's, it's as open door as you want. They they went across the pond. They they literally went across the Atlantic for this one. Yeah. Um, so you cannot be more out of the box for this one. Yeah, exactly. And I think, but that that being said, like just because mm. I didn't like the um, twist, I didn't. I, that doesn't mean I didn't like the story. Like I thought, as a story, it was still quite good. Okay. I do think that if you contextualize it, especially back then, when the Church of the Latter-day Saints were still very new, I think they're fewer than like 400 years old or something like that. I'm not too sure how old they are. They were very weird. And if you were a Victorian person with no internet, no Google, dinosaurs roaming around you, and the fir- that's the first time you ever hear about the Mormons, you're like, holy people like this actually live like this i mean even nowadays with us having internet access and like tv television access and reporters all around the world reporting on all different stuff i still don't know much about mormons uh, mitt romney was one. Oh really yeah mitt romney he was um i don't know much about the mormons either yeah. except that because you have all those weird um christian spin-off churches right you have the mormons you have the jehovah's witness you have scientology <laughs> Scientology, I don't think it's Christianity. Really? But I don't, it's not Christianity. Well, I thought it stemmed off one of the... It was one of the weird Christian cults. Or I don't know. I have no idea. But, but I, yeah, I, yeah. loads of weird ones. All coming from America. Yeah. So weird. There's like a Chinese one called like Northern Thunder or something. To be fair, that sounds Northern quite cool. Lightning. That sounds quite cool, to be fair. I joined that. <laughs> Go on, <man. laughs> Um, I mean, the Mormons themselves, like, they're quite interesting in that you have to do a two-year pilgrimage or something like that where you go somewhere around the world and you spread the word of God. That's why there's yeah. so many places in London. Or That's why there are so many Americans in London. Yeah. Talking well, about, hey, have you heard about the uh, Jesus Christ uh, Church of Latter-day Saints? Saints? And you're just like, no. But also, also think about it. They have prime real estate. They really own prime real estate. Like, the one in Hong Kong... They live in TST, which is, you know, they're literally on the main avenue of TST. It's a, it's prime location. It's very near the Peninsula Hotel. In London, they're on Exhibition Road. They are loaded, is my point. In Salt Lake City, in Utah, it's just mega churches for them. It's crazy. Wait, whereabouts in TST? I'm not sure. They have one in Wan Chai as well, actually. Oh. They, Didn't know they were this big. They, they're massive. I don't know. I guess compared to the Catholic Church, they're still like a speck of dust, right? Yeah, but, you know, the Catholic Church, you have the really rich and the really not-so-rich. Yeah, the ultra-rich. Yeah, whereas Mormons, it's like, holy sh! you have prime real estate everywhere. Interesting. But yeah, Mormonism, that's one big yeah. villain in this book. What do you think? Do you think the Mormons were justly represented in this story? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, did you, okay, okay. What did the Mormons actually think about this book when it was first published? May I think they were furious. I think they were threatening to sue Conan Doyle or something. 
they were definitely furious. They were like, this is not true at all. We do not enforce this kind of practices. We do not have ten wives each, only nine. Yeah. Duh. Duh. We don't force people, you know, I don't force you to do that. I only strongly recommend you. I will, that, this is the part why I found that the TV series did better. Because I, I quite like the TV series in that it didn't go for the Mormon route. Yeah. It took everything from the first book. Mate, if, if they went for a Mormon route, we wouldn't have the TV series. <laughs> it would also kill Benedict Cumberbatch and um, uh, the other guy. M- uh, Martin Freeman. Bag- yeah, Martin Freeman's career. They just killed him. <laughs> like, we won't have Doctor Strange or Bilbo Baggins. Or, you know, just Black Panther. Yeah, we would just be like, who's this guy? Oh, yeah, he was in that. He anti- was in Love Actually. Was he? Yeah, uh, Martin Freeman was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Martin Freeman was in a lot of things. Then. He's been in a lot of things. Yeah. He's famous. Benedict Cumberbatch, though. Different story. <laughs> I mean, he's hot, apparently, so... I don't see it. But, yeah, it, it's it's really weird to see how the book played out. Because I watched the series before I read the book, right? Uh-huh. And I thought it was going to play out like the series... And then it did. I mean, technically, the murderer was a cab driver. Oh, yeah. I guess that's all they took from the... Uh, from well, the and book. the pills, but... And the pills. Oh, yeah, the pills. But, like, I think in the TV series, did he give them two pills that were poisonous? And in the book, one of them was actually not poisonous. No, in the series, like, it, it was, was always also... one poison and one not. Oh, okay. Because I always wondered, what would have happened if they took the harmless one? <laughs> like, would he just be like, okay... I guess I'm not holding any grudge on you anymore. Bye. You know, I'm following you for 30 years just for you to pick the wrong pill. Now you're free. <laughs> Imagine that. It's Conan Doyle. It's just it's Sherlock Holmes. Like, oh, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I really I really want to know what would happen if they picked the other one. But yeah, I guess Conan Doyle doesn't allow us to have the satisfaction of knowing the result of that. No, he won't. But I think, yeah, in general, though, this book is pretty good just because of the way... It introduces Sherlock Holmes. Like, even if you're not a Sherlock Holmes fan, it's worth reading. Yeah, as I think if you put it into the context of the time as well, like this was new. This mm-hmm. was like a street sleuth. Like the word like sleuth or bloodhound as to the way a way to describe a detective. It came from Sherlock Holmes. He was always called a sleuth and bloodhound, just trying to sniff things out. Like it came from the Conan Doyle canon, and also he never said. Elementary, my dear Watson. Never said that. Never heard that. It's and in I was the TV so, show. Right? I was so disappointed. It's not even in the TV show. Not in the, not in the Benedict Cumberbatch one, as far as I know. Wait, where did he say that? He's never said it in the books. As in, where did the saying come from? Um, in the other adaptations. Oh, the... Uh... All the really old ones. Okay. Well, so not even the Robert Downey Jr. one? No. Not that I know of. Because I remember, like, you know, doing like a pub quiz before and they were like, who said this quote? Oh, not who said this quote, but it was like fill in the blanks. And I'm like, oh, shit, I've, I don't know this and I've read a lot of Sherlock Holmes and I feel bad and now I don't anymore. Right. But yeah. All right, guys, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening in. If you like what we do, follow us on Spotify. Just type in Paper Cut Podcast in your search bar or in any of your other preferred streaming sites. If you want to leave us a comment or let us know what you think, you can email us at papercut.cast at gmail.com or Instagram at 
papercut.cast, no caps. Or Twitter. At papercutpodcast, one word, no caps. Look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode. Until then, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Peace. Out.